0: Part 1 of History of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Thierry Elouise. History of Philosophy by William Turner. Part 1. Section B. Greek and Greco-Roman Philosophy. Origin greek philosophy first appeared in the ionic colonies of asia minor and never throughout the course of its development did it wholly lose the marks of its oriental origin whether this influence was as preponderant as roth and gladish contend or as unimportant as teller and others maintain it is certain that the philosophy of greece was characterized from the beginning by a spirit which is peculiarly hellenic the Greek looked out upon the world through an atmosphere singularly free from the mist of allegory and myth. The contrast between the philosophy of the East and the first attempts of the Ionian physicists is as striking as the difference between an Indian jungle and the sunny, breeze swept shores of the Mediterranean. Greek religion exercised hardly more than an indirect influence on Greek philosophy. Popular beliefs, were so crude as to their speculative content that they could not long retain their hold on the mind of the philosopher. Consequently, such influence as they directly exercised was antagonistic to philosophy. Yet it was the popular beliefs which, by keeping alive among the Greeks an exquisite appreciation of form and an abiding sense of symmetry, did not permit the philosopher to take a partial or an isolated view of things. In this way, Greek religion indirectly fostered that imperative desire for a totality of view, which in the best days of Greek speculation, enabled Greek philosophy to attain its most important results. In one particular instance... Greek religion contributed directly to Greek philosophy by handing over to philosophy the doctrine of immortality, a doctrine which in every stage of its philosophical development had retained the mark of its theological origin. Plato, for example, distinctly refers it to the Bacchic and Orphic mysteries. Poetry The philosophy as well as the religion of the Greeks found its first expression in poetry, philosophical speculation, properly so-called, being preceded by the effort of the imagination to picture to itself the origin and the evolution of the universe. Homer presents, without analyzing, types of ethical character, Achilles, the indomitable, Hector, the chivalrous, Agamemnon, of kingly presence. Nestor, the wise, Ulysses, the wary, Penelope, the faithful. Hesiod gives us the first crude attempts at constructing a world system. His cosmogony, however, is presented in the form of a theogony. There is, as yet, no question of accounting for the origin of things by natural causes. The so-called Orphic cosmogonies had the Hesiodic Theogony for their basis. They did not advance much farther in their inquiry than Hesiod himself had gone, unless we include as Orphic those systems of cosmology to which all scholars now agree in assigning a post-Aristotelian date. Pherecydes of Cyrus, about 540 BC, more closely approaches the scientific method. He describes Zeus, Cronus, and Kthon as the first beginnings of all thing. There is here a basic thought that the universe sprang from the elements of air and earth through the agency of time. This thought, however, the poet conceals under enigmatical symbols, referring the phenomena of nature not to natural agencies, but to the incomprehensible action of the gods. The beginning of moral philosophy are found in the ethical portrayals of the Homeric poems, in the writings of the nomic poets of the 6th century BC, and especially in the sayings attributed to the seven wise men. These sayings are characterized by a tone of cynicism, and exhibit a knowledge of the world's ways which is certainly remarkable if it belongs to the age to which it is generally assigned. Footnote. Plato's story, Protagoras 343a, of the meeting of the seven wise men at Delphi, is totally devoid of historical foundation. Even the names of the seven are not agreed upon. The enumeration which most frequently occurs is the following. Thales, Bias, Pettacus, Solon, Cleobulus, Kilo, and Periander. End of footnote. The division of Greek philosophy into periods and schools is partly chronological and partly dependent on the development of philosophic thought. The following seems to be the most convenient arrangement: one, pre-Socratic philosophy, two, philosophy of Socrates and the Socratic schools, three, post-Aristotelian philosophy. In the first period, the Era of Beginnings, philosophical speculation was largely objective. It busied itself with the study of nature and the origin of the world. In the second period, Socrates brought philosophy down to the contemplation of man's inner self. It was a period in which the objective and the subjective methods were blended. In the third period, the subjective element was made preponderant. The Stoics and the Epicureans concerned themselves with man and his destiny to the almost complete exclusion of cosmological and metaphysical problems. First period Pre Socratic Philosophy. This period comprises one the Ionian school. The philosophers of this school confined their attention to the study of nature and sought out the material principle of all natural phenomena. Two the Pythagoreans, who made number the basis of their philosophical system. 3. The Eleatics, whose speculations centered in the doctrine of oneness and immutability of being. 4. The Sophists, who negatively showed the unsatisfactory nature of all knowledge, while positively they occasioned the inquiry into the conditions and limitations of knowledge. Chapter 1 Earlier Ionian School The Ionian school includes the earlier Ionians, Thales, Anaximander, and Anaximenes, and the later Ionians, whose proper historical place is after the Eleatic school. Thales Life Thales, the first philosopher of Greece, was of Phoenician descent. He was born at Miletus at about the year 620 B.C., was a contemporary of Croesus and Solon, and counted among the seven wise men. He is said to have died in the year 546 B.C. Sources Our knowledge of the doctrines of Thales is entirely based on secondary sources, especially on the account given by Aristotle in Metaphysics. Doctrines According to Aristotle, Thales taught that out of water all things are made. Historical tradition is silent as to the reasons by which Thales was led to this conclusion. It is possible, as Aristotle conjectures, that the founder of the Ionian school was influenced by the consideration of the moisture of nutrient, etc., He may have based his conclusion on a rationalistic interpretation of the myth of Oceanus, or he may have observed the alluvial deposits of the rivers of his native country, and concluded that as earth, so all things else come from water. The saying that the magnet has a soul because it attracts iron is attributed to Thales on the authority of Aristotle, who, however, Speaks conditionally, quote, if indeed he said, unquote, etc. We must not attach importance to Cicero's stoical interpretation of Thales. Talis Melesius aquam dixit esse initium rerum, deum autem mentem qua ex aqua cumta fingere. Such a dualism belongs to the time of Anaxagoras. Similarly, the saying that, quote, all things are full of gods, unquote, is but the expression in Aristotle's own phraseology of the general doctrine of animism or hylozoism, which is a tenet common to all the earlier Ionians. They maintained that matter is instinct with life or, as an Aristotelian would say, they did not distinguish between the material principle and the formal principle of life. Anaximander Life Anaximander, who was also a native of Miletus, was born about the year 610 BC. Theophrastus describes him as a disciple or associate of Thales. The date of his death is unknown. Sources. Primary sources. Anaximander composed a treatise, or rather a poetical prose composition, which was extant when Theophrastus wrote. Of this work, two sentences only have come down to us. Quote, All things must in equity again decline into that whence they have their origin, for they must give satisfaction and atonement for injustice, each in order of time," and the infinite, "...surrounds all things and directs all things." Secondary Sources 1. Ancient writers such as Plato, Aristotle, Xenophon, and Theophrastus, in reference to pre-Socratic and Socratic philosophy. 2. Alexandrian authorities such as Demetrius of Phalaris, 3rd century BC, Ptolemy Philadelphus, 3rd century BC, Callimachus, 3rd century BC, author of the Pinacus, or tablets. 3. Later Writers, Cicero, Seneca, Plutarch, Justin Martyr, Clement of Alexandria, Diogenes Laertius, about AD 220. 4. Modern Critics and Historians, Tiedmann, Ritter and Preller, Zeller, Wendelband, Diels, Tannery, Burnet, etc. Diels Daxography Cracky, Berlin 1879, is of great value in determining the affiliation of sources. First period. Pre-Socratic philosophy. This period comprises 1. The Ionian school the philosophers of this school confined their attention to the study of nature and sought out the material principle of natural phenomena. 2. The Pythagoreans, who made number the basis of their philosophical system. 3. The Eleatics, whose speculations centered in the doctrine of oneness and immutability of being. 4. The Sophists, who negatively showed the unsatisfactory nature of all knowledge, while positively they occasioned the inquiry into the conditions and limitations of knowledge. Chapter 1. Earlier Ionian School The Ionian school includes the earlier Ionians, Thales, Anaximander, and Anaximenes, and the later Ionians, whose proper historical place is after the eleatic school, Thales. Life, Thales, the first philosopher of Greece, was of Phoenician descent. He was born at Miletus, about the year 620 BC. He was a contemporary of Croesus and Solon, and was counted among the seven wise men. He is said to have died in the year 546 BC. Sources Our knowledge of the doctrines of Thales is based entirely on secondary sources, especially on the account given by Aristotle in Metaphysics, Book 1, Section 983. Doctrines According to Aristotle, Thales taught that out of water all things are made. Historical tradition is silent as to the reasons by which Thales was led to this conclusion. It is possible, as Aristotle conjectures, that the founder of the Ionian school was influenced by the consideration of the moisture of nutriment, etc. He may have based this conclusion on a rationalistic interpretation of the myth of Oceanus, or he may have observed the alluvial deposits of the rivers of his native country, and concluded that, as earth, so all things else come from water. The saying that quote, the magnet has a soul because it attracts iron unquote, is attributed to Thales on the authority of Aristotle, who, however speaks conditionally quote, if indeed he said unquote, etc We must not attach importance to Cicero's stoical interpretation of Thales, Talus Milesius acum dixit esse initium rerum deum. autem. Eam mentem quae ex aqua cuncta fungeret. Such a dualism belongs to the time of Anaxagoras. Similarly, the saying that all things are full of gods is but the expression, in Aristotle's own phraseology, of the general doctrine of animism or hylozoism, which is a tenet common to all the earlier Ionians. They maintained that matter is instinct with life. Or, as an Aristotelian would say, they did not distinguish between the material principle and the formal principle of life. Anaximander, Life Anaximander, who was also a native of Miletus, was born about the year 610 BC. Theophrastus describes him as a disciple or associate of Thales. The date of his death is unknown. Sources Primary Sources Anaximander composed a treatise, or rather a poetical prose composition, Periphysios, which was extant when Theophrastus wrote, Of this work, two sentences only have come down to us. One, quote, All things must in equity again decline into that whence they have their origin, for they must give satisfaction and atonement for injustice, each in order of time, Unquote. Two, the infinite, quote, surrounds all things and directs all things, unquote. Secondary Sources Our chief secondary sources are Theophrastus in the work Physicon Dosi, of which the existing fragments are published by Diels and Aristotle, especially in Metaphysics, Book 12, Section 1069b, and Physics, Book 3, Section 203b. Doctrines. From our secondary sources, it is evident that, according to Anaximander, the originating principle, Archie, of all things is the infinite, or rather the unlimited, a Footnote. Quote, That Anaximander called this something by the name of physis is clear from the doxographers. The current statement that the word Archie, in the sense of a first principle, was introduced by him is probably due to a mere misunderstanding of what Theophrastus says. The reasons, however, which led to this conclusion, are merely a matter of conjecture, as in the case of Thales' generalization. According to Aristotle, Anaximander, supposing that change destroys matter, argued that unless the substratum of change is limitless, change must sometimes cease. Thus, while modern physics holds that matter is indestructible, Anaximander maintained that it is infinite, for there can be no question as to the corporeal nature of the ateron. It is an infinite material substance. Critics, however, do not agree as how to Anaximander would have answered the questions Is the Unlimited an element or a mixture of elements? Is it qualitatively simple or complex? He certainly maintained that the primitive substance is infinite, but did not, as far as we know, concern himself with the question of its qualitative determinations. The aetheron has been likened to the modern notion of space and to the mythological concept of chaos. It is described by Anaximander himself as surrounding and directing all things, and by Aristotle it is described as to theon. We must not, however, attach to these expressions a dualistic or pantheistic meaning. From the boundless all things came, by a process which the Placita describes as separation, apocryphemi. Living things sprang from the original moisture of the earth through the agency of heat. The first animals were therefore fishes, which after they came on shore threw off their scales and assumed new shapes. Man, too, was generated from other kinds of animals. Anaximander is generally believed to have taught an infinity of worlds. Historical Position Comparing the doctrines of Anaximander with what we know of the teachings of Thales, we find that the former are far richer in their contents and betoken a higher development of speculative thought. They represent a higher grade of abstraction, as is evident in the substitution of the boundless for the concrete substance, water. Anaximenes Life Anaximenes of Miletus, who was an associate of Anaximander, composed a treatise on the title of which is unknown. He died about 528 BC. Sources Primary sources The only fragment of the work of Anaximenes which has survived is a sentence quoted in the Placita. Just as our soul, being air, holds us together, so do breath and air encompass the world. Secondary sources our principal secondary source is Theophrastus, whom Pseudo Plutarch, Eubesius, Praepatio Evangelica, Hippolytus, Refutatio Omnium Hyresium, etc follow. Doctrines According to all our secondary sources, Anaximenes taught that the principle or ground of all material existence is air. Air, however, must be taken in the homeric sense of vapor or mist. This substance, to which is ascribed infinite quantity, is endowed with life. From it, by thinning and thickening, were formed the fires, winds, clouds, water, and earth. The world is an animal whose breathing is kept up by masses of air, which it inhales from the infinite space beyond the heavens. Cicero incorrectly represents Anaximenes as identifying the divinity with the primitive air. Saint Augustine is more correct when he says, quote, Nec DEUS negavit aut tacuit, non tamen ab ipsis aerem factum, sed ipsos ex aere autos creditit. Unquote. Historical position Anaximenes was evidently influenced by his predecessors. From Thales he derived the qualitative determinances of the primitive substance, and from Anaximander its infinity. The doctrine of thickening and thinning is far more intelligible than the doctrine of separating, which Anaximander taught. Retrospect The early Ionian philosophers were students of nature who devoted themselves to the inquiry into the origin of things. They agreed, one, in positing the evidence of a single original substance, and two, in regarding this substance as endowed with force and life, Hylozoism. They were dynamists. Heraclitus, a later Ionian, who was in the final analysis a dynamist also, marks the transition from the early Hylozoism to the mechanism of the later Ionian school. End of chapter 1